We solemnly swear we're up to no good. Hi, I'm Gary Roby. I'm Victoria Laguna. And we're the hosts of Harry Potter Minute, the fan podcast where we overanalyze the Harry Potter movies one magical minute at a time. Join us as we argue about whether or not McGonagall would meow at Dumbledore. She wouldn't. As we ponder just how much Harry's fortune is worth. Just $40. As we guess how much mileage one gets out of an Ollivander wand. 100,000 jinxes. As we detail the ins and outs of Hogwarts Castle. It's only a model. Join us Monday through Friday, only from DuelingGenre.com. Mischief Managed. Dueling Genre. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character and a great story. I'm Joseph Dorowski, and this week I am joined by Kirsten Christensen to discuss Gomez Adams and the other members of the Adams Family from the 1991 film, The Adams Family. Welcome, Kirsten. Thank you. So glad to have you back and uh, helping you to retain the title of most frequent guest on the Protagonist Podcast. I still have my belt. <laughs> I, I was imagining a sash. Oh, <laughs> you know? it, it doubles as a sash as well. Right, right. <laughs> I think wrestlers should do that more. <laughs> have more sashes. Yeah, so over the shoulder. <laughs> I'm sure in the long history of rest, professional wrestling, that has been a thing by some character at some point. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about, and we've probably <laughs> plumbed the depths of my professional wrestling knowledge already. Uh, we are talking about The Addams Family, which is a 1991 film written by Caroline Thompson and Larry Wilson and directed by Barry Sonnenfeld. Uh, it starred Raul Julia as Gomez Adams, Angelica Houston as Morticia Adams, and I always want to say Huston when I see it written, <laughs> <laughs> even though I know it is pronounced Houston, uh, Christina Ricci as Wednesday Adams, Christopher Lloyd as Uncle Fester, and Jimmy Workman as Pugsley Adams. This tells the story of a con man attempting to trick Gomez into believing his long-lost brother Fester has returned so that the con man can steal the Adams family fortune. Kirsten, do you remember how you first came to the Adams Family as a concept or this particular film? I don't think I was aware. I definitely wasn't aware of the of the comics when mm-hmm. I saw the film. I may have been aware of um, the TV show at some point, like some maybe on Nick at Night or something. I, and I think I was aware of the like Adams Family monsters kind of rivalry. Um, I don't remember the first time I saw this film. I, I'm pretty sure I didn't see it in the theater. I think it's just another one that um, that. You know, we got on we got on home movie at one point from from one of those or pay, you know pay five bucks get six movies right. and then you're hooked up forever. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like rent it, rent oh, it, rent it, rent yeah, it. Yeah, okay. one of those get some, but not from like Blockbuster. That would have been way too fancy. Um, so from like the local the local tiny little video rental place where you just kind of had to show up and see what they had. <laughs> I always love the video rental places that were like a nook in the grocery store. Right. <laughs> like right. how did this business? Set up shop right here. Yeah, occasionally when I'm heading to a friend's house, I'll pass by where that video place used to be and has been like, you know, 10 things in the meantime. I'm just like, oh, yeah, you used to have really terrible pizzas and a very small collection <laughs> of videos in that tiny little storefront. Oh, memory. Um, I remember the Adam's Family theme song, mm-hmm. the classic snapping. Um, and I remember a, the TV show, probably from Nick at Night, mm-hmm. would be my guess, where I saw the reruns. And I know I didn't see this in the theater, but I, th- I think I saw it when it was on video pretty shortly thereafter. And same thing, my family, my parents would have rented it, you know, from one of those, um, you know, VHS rental places <laughs> <laughs> that, that don't exist anymore. Um, and 
when I was doing some trivia research into this, it said like they had some trouble getting this movie made because the monsters were so much bigger than the Adams family. And that is not my memory from wow. my cultural knowledge at all. Yeah. Of anything. Um, I, like you said, I knew they were both there kind of simultaneously, but I didn't realize the monsters had a bigger impact or huh. a longer, longer impact. Cause I remember seeing more reruns of the Adams family than monsters myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously for any listeners who are unfamiliar, they're both macabre, Gothic monster families but set in the kind of 1950s sitcom world. Uh, and so having both of those simultaneously, I understand why it kind of became like an either or option, sure. <laughs> you know, in the minds of fans. And one of those situations where you have two things that come out at the same time. And so you feel like you have to pick one, like you have to be loyal to one or the other. You can't, you know, you can't like both of them. You have to be right. on a team. And you better, you hope you're choosing Blu-ray and not DVD HD. Right. <laughs> In this case, they both have kind of won. Like, they both still have a cultural presence. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that either is, like, massive, but the Munsters, I know, like, Fox tried another pilot of the Munsters a couple years ago. It it wasn't great, Um, but it's, like, a big enough property that people are still picking up to play with. So, Uh, do you know if the Munsters was based on a previous property? I don't. so I've checked the recesses of my brain, and no, the Munsters does not seem to have been based on anything previous, whereas The Adams Family was based on uh, New Yorker comics, which were the single-panel comics. So I think more like The Far Side than, uh, you know, the four-panel comics where you get to uh, introduce the scenario, set up the joke, land the joke, and give a reaction panel. This would just be one panel, right. here's everything, and uh, we'll, we'll get to a little bit more about that in, in the trivia. But uh, I think, I mean, at least for me, my cultural awareness of both, I feel like it's pretty... Even maybe weighted towards Adam's family a little more because of the movies. Right. Um, when the, just spoiler, there are more movies coming. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the trivia section, we'll get into that. Um, but it, it is kind of a fascinating uh, thing. Like they're, they're both doing the kind of macabre gothic family with the 1950s sitcom tropes. And I, it's just one of those moments of like simultaneous entertainment evolution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're both going to, people are going this direction. One of us is going to get there first. So we're both going to get there at the same time. That's how you yeah. end up with, um, you know, movie summers where you're going to get Dante's Peak and Volcano released, you know, two months apart. And, or uh, then the, I think the next year there was two asteroid movies. It was Armageddon and uh, what was the other? Deep Impact. Deep Impact. Thank you, producer Andrew. Uh, <laughs> those come out at the same time. It's not because they're copying each other. It's just like we think the audience has a taste for this and different production companies are moving on it at the yeah. same time. Yeah. Uh, so in researching the Adams Family, I came across uh, quite a lot of trivia, it turns out, about this. Uh, so the the uh, comic strip was by Charles Adams, and his last name was spelled A-D-D-A-M-S, just like the Adams Family. And that first appeared in 1938. Big year for comics. That's when Superman first appeared. So Adams Family, Superman. I had no idea that those were created in the same year. And it ran kind of infrequently in the way of the New Yorker magazine. Like comics just show up when they show up. <laughs> and that you can't, you can't get the New Yorker magazine expecting like consistent, uh, you know, of recurring characters in, in their comics page, really. Um, and then it ran. It, so the last one was published, I think, the year of his death in 1988 is what I saw. However, there is a gap in its appearances in the New Yorker magazine from... Uh, let's see, uh, from when the TV show went on the air in 1964 until, uh, uh, an editor named William Sean retired in 1987. So really there's just one last year where some Adams Family comics appeared in the New Yorker because there was this long gap where William Sean in what is one of the most iconically New Yorker things I can imagine (laughs) said that if the Adams Family is on television and anyone could just turn on the TV and see it, they should not see it in the New Yorker magazine. If, 
you're unfamiliar, the New Yorker has a bit of um, a, uh, a snobbery about it in, in how it likes to be perceived. And uh, this uh, editor, William Sean, really felt strongly about this. And as soon as he retired, the next editor was like, yeah, give us your Adam's Family <laughs> cartoons again. Now, in those years, they were published in some other places. I couldn't find a list of everywhere mm-hmm. else that they were published, but he was still producing some of these. Um, so uh, this comic about the macabre gothic family, it has been adapted a lot. And I mean, a lot. So there was the classic TV show with the great um, finger snapping uh, song that we still associate with the Adams family that aired 64 episodes in two seasons between 1964 and 1966. They don't make TV seasons like they used to. No, it's a very long season. <laughs> Cranking out uh, 32 episodes in a, in a, in a year. That's a lot of television. Uh, then the Adams family appeared in the new Scooby-Doo movies in 1972. I've seen it. It's pretty good guys. Uh, then they, <laughs> this was a weird one. There was a, Potential pilot. Well, it was a, they filmed it, but it was going to be an Adams Family musical variety show. You'll never guess this was in the seventies. I guess <laughs> were they were they trying to pick up on the on the Partridge Family success? It sure seems like yeah, and, <laughs> and some of the uh, the kind of feel of like uh, the Osmonds, you know, like that that kind of feel, but in a macabre gothic way. I don't know. I've never seen this one, uh, but they they made it and aired it, but it was not picked up for series. I can't imagine why. <laughs> Then there was a Saturday morning cartoon series uh, that ran from 1973 to 1975 on NBC. And Jodie Foster, 10-year-old Jodie Foster, voiced Pugsley. <laughs> Thought I was going to say Wednesday, didn't you? But no. <laughs> she was the voice of Pugsley. Surprise! Uh, in 1977, there was a TV movie that reunited the original cast from the, the two-season TV series. Then in 1991, there's the film that we are talking about today, as well as its sequel, Adam's Family Values, uh, that came out two years later in 1993. And probably piggybacking off of what they assumed would be an Adam's Family craze, there was another Saturday morning cartoon that was made for the 1992-93 season. There was a direct-to-video film, Adam's Family. Uh, oh, it's not Adam's Family. It's Adam's Family Reunion that was released in 1998, and that had Tim Curry playing Gomez. Well, uh, Julia had died by that point. Yes, he died uh, really shortly after Adam's Family Values, mm-hmm. um, and he was he was only like fifty something, fifty in his fifties. It was yeah, young yeah. for for when he passed away. Um, then there was another live action series that aired 65 episodes on the Fox Family Channel. I don't think that channel even exists anymore. That was from 1998 to 1999. And there is an animated film that will be coming out next October, October 11th, 2019. That's exciting. And it had a good voice cast uh, going on. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember any of them off the top of my head right now. But I remember looking at it like saying, oh, well, that that actually sounds pretty good. Um and there have also been six video games, several books, a pinball machine, and a Broadway musical adaptation of The Addams Family. And in what is a pretty perfect piece of casting, uh, oh, uh, oh, oh my goodness, she's wonderful. And I can't, her name is suddenly blinking. I can only think of the character Lilith, who played Lilith on Frasier and Cheers. Why is her name blinking for me? Oh, um, B.B. Newworth. Thank you. B.B. Newworth played Morticia in the Broadway musical. Oh, <laughs> that's well, fantastic. When you hear like, oh, yes. <laughs> Yes, she did. <laughs> and she nailed it, I'm sure. I never saw it, but I know she nailed it because she <laughs> is amazing. Um, and I know this is shocking, but Tim Burton was the first choice to direct The Adams Family, though he did not. Um, when he passed on the film, it went to uh, Barry Sonnenfeld. And this was Barry Sonnenfeld's first film as a director. He had previously worked as a cinematographer on 
on films such as Raising Arizona and When Harry Met Sally. And he's most famous for the Men in Black trilogy. And at least for me, the first episode of Pushing Daisies, he directed those to set the tone for Pushing Daisies, which that series should have gone longer than it did. <laughs> it's so disappointing that it only got two seasons. And and speaking of films with unusual tones and unusual looks, that was so, so much of that. So much of Pushing Daisies was how it looked. So. Yeah. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Um, this film, <laughs> I feel a little bad for the, do you remember a film production company called Orion in the eighties and nineties? You saw a lot of films with Orion, like as one of the title cards at the front. I don't think it exists anymore, but they were the main production company behind this. And the film had a budget of $25 million, which seems pretty small today. Uh, and then it went 5 million over budget and they panicked and they sold the rights they're like just take it off our hands to paramount oh gosh uh and then it went on to make 113 million dollars <laughs> off of that 30 million dollar budget <laughs> ouch in, in the u.s and worldwide it made 191 million total uh though i think because of some weird rights tied in with the old tv show adaptation mgm distributed the world had like worldwide distribution rights uh, Angelica Houston, who plays Morticia, she has said that she expected Cher to play Morticia, which is another one where, like, once you hear it, you're like, okay, I can yeah. see, I can see that. Cher's <laughs> hair get that straight. <laughs> we could, we will never know. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I love Angelica Houston as Morticia in this. She does a great job, but I could also see Cher doing that, and I could definitely see BB Newworth playing Morticia Adams. Yes, um, Sonnenfeld. Uh, has said that he wanted when he worked on the script and was was planning everything and the original draft of the script it was left ambiguous whether or not Fester, the Uncle Fester that we see in this was an imposter or was really Gomez's brother and the cast thought that was horrible <laughs> and they wanted it made clear that this is really their Uncle Fester for a happy ending and they sent 10 year old Christina Ricci to make the plea <laughs> to Barry Sonnenfeld and he said she did such a good job I agreed and we switched it and it is better he, he's happy that they made the switch but I just love the yeah. cast of like Christina, <laughs> this is on you. Yes. No one can say no to you. Use your powers. Yes. Um, the w one reason that the film went over budget is Raul Julia uh, burst a blood vessel in his eye and couldn't film. Though I would imagine with the Adams family, they could have made that work somehow. This is true. <laughs> but they didn't. They just and, worked and around him. A, a macabre eye patch would not be out of place. <laughs> yes. But. Um, and the film received mixed reviews when it came out. It's only 63% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm -hmm. Um I enjoyed it rewatching it though. It was it was definitely a fun fun rewatch. Uh, yeah, and I think we can talk about some of the main things that they critiqued. Mm -hmm. Um there there is general agreement that Adam's Family Values is a is a better film, but they're both good. I think they're both yeah. worth watching. And um I, I mean, I said this was has been adapted a lot, but a lot of those were actually post the 1991 film. So mm -hmm. this was, for I think, for maybe it's completely accurate. This was a reintroduction to the Adams Family for, uh, at least for popular culture outside of kids who stayed up late watching Nick at Night. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, oh, and I want to say this was a suggestion from listener Linnell. So thank you. <laughs> listener Linnell is very near and dear to me having given birth to me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Linnell, for asking that we cover the Adams Family on the Protagonist Podcast. <laughs> to say thank you for giving birth to me, I'm recording a podcast. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> now we're even. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, before uh, we move on to the full summary, listeners, we wanted to thank you for listening and also thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least $1 per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter monthly episodes in which we break down newly released films and also give updates on the fantasy box office game, which we are still definitely writing out 2018 with Todd's picks, and we will keep you updated on how that is shaking out. And all patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. And now I have the full synopsis of The Addams Family. We begin with a montage of members of the Adams family doing gothically creepy things. Uh, and But there's a palpable sense of sadness from Gomez Adams, who laments that his brother Fester ran away 25 years ago and has not been seen since. The family lawyer, Tully Alford, fights his way into the house, literally fighting with the, the gates that are sentient and don't seem to want him in. Uh, and he is there to discuss business with Gomez. Uh, Tully Alford's wife, uh, Margaret, uh, okay, just real quick. I already mentioned B.B. Newworth that tied us back to Cheers, but Tully is played by uh, Nick Tortelli on Cheers, who was Carlo Tortelli's like caveman, like husband. And as soon as I heard his voice, because I've been watching a lot of Cheers for Project and Working Gun, as soon as I heard his voice, I'm like, that's Nick Tortelli. <laughs> <laughs> and he's playing a slime ball in this too. So he, he, I, I'm guessing he's been typecast as kind of the, the, the uh, low level slime ball. <laughs> It's what he seems to play. Um, but Tully's wife, Margaret, is there, and she is supposed to ask for antique objects that could be sold at a charity auction for widows and orphans. And Morticia is happy to provide because, as she says, we need more widows and orphans. <laughs> Um, Gomez and Tully have their ritualistic uh, acrobatic sword duel before they're going to discuss business. And it's just... I, I, I so much of this movie is in tone, and it, they just have a sword fight. They just do. <laughs> and then we move on to business. But as Gozmez says, this meeting is about old business. And uh, Tully says, well, I know that, but I want us to open a Fester Adams offshore retirement fund. And this is clearly an attempt to embezzle money from the Adams. And Gomez just misses it and thinks, this is a great idea. I love this idea. I want to honor Fester. He's been gone for too long. Uh, however... Uh, this meeting is about old business and we are not going to talk about new business until next quarter. So it's off the calendar until next quarter, which, uh, just disappoints Tully. And then, uh, Gomez says, oh, but I do need to give you our monthly payment. And he disappears. He pulls a book off of a shelf and disappears down into this vault. And then he comes back with the balloons and Tully, he sees him pull the book off the shelf and he goes and tries to pull a book off of the shelf. And like weird things happen when you open these books. Um, so later on, we'll see him like looking at the sun also rises. And when you open it, sunrise bathes his face uh, from the books. So he knows there's something weird in this library. He knows there's a vault down there, and he just wishes he could get down to the vault and steal uh, the money, but he can't figure it out. Meanwhile, uh, Morticia Adams has given Margaret a golden finger trap for the auction, and she invites her to a seance that they're going to be holding that evening to try and contact Fester. Now, Tully returns to his office, where there's a woman uh, named... Abigail Craven and her adult son Gordon is there and Gordon looks like a zombie with a weird fro like Bob Ross fro hair growing <laughs> and uh, Abigail lent Tully money and she wants the money repaid and uh, Gordon threatens Tully with some significant bodily harm if he doesn't do it. Tully realizes that Gordon looks like Fester Adams and he thinks he can scam his way to the Adams fortune with Gordon and Abigail Craven's help. <laughs> 
So that night, Tully and Margaret go to the seance, where Granny Adams says that she feels Fester's spirit and invites him to knock three times, and suddenly there are three knocks at the front door. Gomez rushes to the door, where he finds Gordon Craven, now with his head shaved so he looks like Fester, uh, is waiting for him. And Abigail Craven is there, and she claims to be a psychiatrist named Dr. Greta Pinderschloss. <laughs> she says that Fester was found in fishing nets in Miami after Hurricane, Hurricane Helga. And Fester says he's been in the Bermuda triangle i'm only gonna stay for about a week because i need to get back there (laughs) (laughs) but gomez is just overjoyed that his his brother is back and uh dr greta pinderschloss says she's there to help with you know his transition because um he was he uh fester had been through so much now gomez is so excited uh he peppers fester with questions about their childhood but fester really struggles to play along (laughs) Um, like he can't can't remember any of their in jokes from childhood and gomez just kind of like doesn't want to see this so he just keeps carrying on and they go down to the family vault where they have old home movies and we learn that the brothers had a falling out because because gomez was jealous of fester's way with women he could get any woman he wanted and uh gomez uh out of spite wooed both flora and fauna amore uh who are twins and he wooed them both even though he knew fester liked liked them (laughs) And then Fester disappeared. Now, Fester uh, tries to go to the vault. So he's been down to the vault with Gomez, and he tries to copy the path down there. Uh, But part of it is that there's a ceiling full of chains, and you reach up and grab one, and then the chains clamp down on your hand and pull you up. And every time Fester does it, he must grab the wrong one because he ends up getting spat out of the house (laughs) through this chute. Um, And he he can't find the one that actually takes him down to the vault. Um, Wednesday Adams is the most verbally suspicious of Fester, but Morticia Adams also has many sidelong looks and eventually some verbal warnings towards Fester, Fester kind of saying, you better not be messing <laughs> with, with my husband. Um, Dr. Pinterschloss, realizing that things might not be going as well as she hopes, she returns and convinces Gomez that any suspicions that anyone is having are just displacement. That's all. And so Gomez is now mollified and says, well, this is Fester. Um, eh, however, uh, Fester or Gordon Fester. So at this point, he's supposed to be Gordon, really, but he, he's really growing fond of the Adams family, especially the kids. And he helps Wednesday and Pugsley to prepare a sword fight for a school play. And he's very excited that they've asked him to help. And, uh, now Abigail, who is the, the evil, uh, woman, uh, she wants her son, Gordon slash Fester to, find an excuse to skip the play so that while the whole family's at the school play, they can go search for the family um, vault. And Gordon says, fine, I'm going to do that. But then he feels guilty and he decides to go to the school play. Uh, so uh, at the school play, we see Wednesday and Pugsley reenact the duel from Hamlet with um, lost limbs and lots of spraying blood <laughs> going well into the audience, covering many members of the audience with lots of stage blood. Um, now the Adams family are going to throw a party to celebrate Fester's return and Tully and Margaret plan to sneak away from the party to search for the vault. And a part of the party is a dance called the Mamushka. And when it's time for the Mamushka, Wednesday Adams goes to look for Fester and she goes upstairs and she sees Abigail shaving her son Gordon's head so that he looks like Fester. And she overhears them plotting to steal from the family. Wednesday runs away and she hides in the family cemetery. Uh, Tully, meanwhile, down at the party, she, he learns that Fester is the older brother and would actually be in charge of the Adams family estate. Later, Fester does go down and dances an excellent mamushka. It all just comes back to him. It's a very complex dance with throwing swords and everything. 
but he uh, he carries it off perfectly. Um, at the party, we also see that Tully's wife, Margaret, is quite smitten with cousin it who is a giant walking hairball um, now the family realizes that wednesday is missing so they go to look for her but fester stays behind saying uh, someone should be here in case they come back and when the family returns they find wednesday and when they return though uh the gates are locked and fester with tully's help well fester slash gordon with tully's help ha- and also the help of a next door neighbor who is a judge who hates the adams family uh they have claimed fester has sole ownership of the house and can kick out the adams family so the Adams family move into a hotel where Gomez enters a deep depression. And my favorite thing, we haven't mentioned uh, thing, which is just a hand. <laughs> like it just imagine someone's had their hand cut off Luke Skywalker style, but the hand remained sentient and ran around. That's what thing is in the Adams family. If you've never seen it. And when Gomez Adams is sitting in a deep state of depression, things just sits on his head and massages his forehead <laughs> with his front fingers. And it is one of my favorite visuals of the entire <laughs> film is this dismembered hand giving a head massage to its despondent master um so they're in this motel and gomez adams is uh deeply depressed and morticia says well we need to get jobs (laughs) and so morticia uh becomes a preschool teacher where she horrifies children by telling like the grim version of fairy tales (laughs) to to the kids and really leaning hard on the like the the grim part of grim fairy tales and I don't know how they got the footage of the kids crying, but they got like real tears from these preschool aged actors <laughs> that uh, when they're hearing the story told. And uh, Winston Pugsley tried to sell poison lemonade, uh, <laughs> which is one of the best la- lines of the movie is when a Girl Scout says, I'll buy some of your lemonade if you buy some of my cookies. Is it made with real lemons? And Winston just goes, are your cookies made with real Girl Scouts? <laughs> Which Christina Ricci had a wonderful deadpan delivery of some of these macabre lines. Um, meanwhile, back at the Adams State, Fester slash Gordon and Margaret and Tully are trying to break into the vault and they just fail every single time. There's a montage of them getting spat out of the house. Uh, Morticia decides that this is all just a bit ridiculous and she's going to go sort things out. So she goes back and to confront Fester and Thing, the hand, follows her and Thing sees Morticia taken captive by Tully, Abigail, and Fester slash Gordon, and they are going to start torturing her until she tells them how to get into the family vault. But it turns out she likes torture. Uh, and now Thing runs back and taps out Morse code to Gomez Adams, telling him that Morticia is in danger. And this wakens Gomez. Um, he is in deep depression, but he still passionately loves his wife. And so he runs back to the Adams estate. And he gets stopped when Abigail uh, threatens to kill Morticia if Gomez does not tell them where the vault is. And now Fester Gordon Gordon doesn't want to go along with this. He says this is going too far. So he knows the books in the library are not normal. And so he grabs one that unleashes a hurricane-type storm inside of this room when it's open. So as soon as he opens the book, this wind starts howling out. And lightning from the book comes out and strikes Fester slash Gordon uh, in the head and he, his whole body gets electrified. Tully and Margaret get blown out of the windows and they land neatly inside of graves that Wednesday and Pugsley have just dug. And the lightning strike restores Fester's memory and he remembers that he really is Gomez's brother and he really was lost in the Bermuda Triangle <laughs> for the last 25 years. He had amnesia. Uh, that part was true, uh, but the Margaret had tricked him into believing that he was her son. And he is welcomed back into the Adams family. The end. Yay! 
Now, this is one of those where a plot summary does not really do justice to where the humor lies in the story. Like, the humor is all in the visual uh, contradictions Mm -hmm. of this very macabre family uh, and the, like, the classic family sitcom hijinks uh, that they get up into. It's in the the gothic styling of the house. And, um, like, like a lot of this is through the visual... um, work that's being done by the director and the set designer, but it's also through some of the wordplay and the unexpected things where, um, like, like Wednesday Adams saying, are your cookies made out of girls concept, which if you plug all those into a summary, it it feels like a really weird summary. Uh, so if you listen to that and thought, (laughs) that doesn't sound like the greatest movie I've ever heard. The summary is not doing justice to where a lot of the joy of watching the Adams family is going to come from. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I, Reading through some of the critics' reviews, I think that one of the main criticisms was that it felt like a lot of set pieces, like funny moments that didn't necessarily have as strong a through line as mm-hmm. they might have wanted, something that was better in Adam's Family Values. But it also kind of makes sense given that the source material was single panel comics, <laughs> yes. you know, like it's just funny image, funny juxtaposition, funny um, reversal of, of what you think is going to happen, um, you know, like, like, like with uh, – you know, Morticia wanting to support the widows and orphans because we need more of them. You yes. Know? <laughs> or uh, the, there's a school teacher that's concerned about Wednesday because she said, we asked the students to draw pictures of their heroes. One did the U.S. president. Someone else did something great. And then Wednesday had drawn a woman dying in a fire. <laughs> and she said, ah, oh, yes, that's our great grandmother. She was burned at the stake after dancing naked in the village square. And the teacher looks horrified. And she said, I told Wednesday she can't do that till after college. <laughs> right. after college first. <laughs> um, you know, and, and those are great moments, but they do feel a bit like lifted from mm-hmm. one panel car- uh, comic strips. Uh, and, and like, um, I really felt it when I was watching like the sequence when, they're kicked out of the, the estate and you get this kind of montage of them trying to do jobs. Oh, and, and Th- I didn't mention it, but Thing is a courier. So mm-hmm. he's running around like a, a normal business office park <laughs> and it's just a hand running around delivering letters and like throwing envelopes at people. Um, that felt a little disconnected mm-hmm. from everything else that had happened. It felt uh, like a, I mean, a little sitcom-y. So, so like you're seeing two elements, right? Like I could see an episode of a sitcom when you're doing six, you know, 30 episodes a year where it's like, oh, they're gonna be kicked out of the house and have to get regular jobs. That sounds like a sitcom right. episode. Right. Um, but it felt weird to be part of the third act of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I completely agree. The, the narrative through line maybe isn't as strong as you would hope, but there's still a lot of really delightful moments. And I think the kind of moments that make this, a fun movie to go revisit, particularly around the time of Halloween. <laughs> yeah, and the and the characterization is very, very strong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in terms of the writing and in terms of the acting, even even if you have these sort of weirdly episodic scenes, they're all on character. They're all completely, you know, you know, you know who these people are, and so and so. Um, if you know these characters and if you like these characters, you're still enjoying spending time with them doing the kind of things that they would do. Um, what, you know, watching Morticia Adams horrify the, the, you know, suburban housewives and, <laughs> and not notice that she's doing it or even care. Yeah. Um, or and, even thinking this is what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> and that's one of, I mean, that's one of the really fun things about the Adams family is it's not just that you have, um, the one person who's who's different. I mean, that, that, I feel like that's a pretty common trope of like this person is in a group of people who who are, who are different from them, but they don't even notice it. They don't, you know, they don't understand that um, that people feel differently from them. They don't understand that people 
react to them strangely. Um, they think their approach and their mindset is the most natural thing in the world. And so they just kind of carry through life in this very oblivious, wonderfully oblivious sort of way, just doing their thing and not really noticing or caring that other people are doing different things. Right. And um, I think within all the absurdity, like that's kind of a cool lesson. Like mm -hmm. just, just be you mm -hmm. and live your life. Right. Right. <laughs> Um, and, uh, don't be concerned that the neighbor thinks you're freaks <laughs> you know, or anything like that. Yeah. Um, the, and I love what you said, cause for me, by far the best thing about this film is the casting mm -hmm. and how much they inhabit the characters, even if the plot isn't the strongest plot in history right. and it feels a little disjointed and episodic at points as, as you watch it. Raul Julia as Gomez is amazing. Mm -hmm. Like just every scene he's in. Is there's just an over-the-top flamboyance that's exactly right for playing Gomez Adams. And you believe this is a man who loves his wife <laughs> so much. <laughs> I saw some uh, meme going around online where it said, the and I don't know how accurate mm -hmm. this is, because it, it doesn't even acknowledge the comic strip at all, but it just said the producers of the Adams family wanted to invert the tropes of all the 1950s stereotypes, uh, stereotypical sitcoms. So... They made a husband and wife who loved each other passionately and never fought, and they supported their kids no matter what their life choices were. <laughs> That's how you avoid invert the 1950s I, sitcom tropes. I, I think my very favorite line or very favorite exchange in this film is where where Goma says, "You know, oh Morticia, how long has it been since we waltzed?" And Morticia says, "Oh Gomez." hours <laughs> which is you know sets up the you think it's going to be a very long time it's going to be so romantic and like no they waltz like literally every day and yet from morticia's perspective it's still been too long too much because <laughs> they probably haven't waltzed they've only waltzed once this day they haven't waltzed twice and i and i um picking up on that i i read an interesting article a few years ago i, I can't remember where that did talk about their relationship and how it's one of the only um you know, there are plenty of stories about people falling in love and getting married. Um, and there are some stories about people being married or being in happy marriages, although usually it's like a, like a beta couple or a secondary character that's, that's in a happy marriage. Um, but to have a couple who's been married for a while, you know, I, I think, um, I think, I mean, Wednesday's in either elementary school or junior high, but, mm -hmm. you know, they've been together for a while. And again, they're, they're not just happy, but they are ridiculously, romantically, passionately in love. Um, that's just incredibly rare. You don't, and, and it's, I think it's because the, and, and also you said with the, um, being really, really supportive of their children, you know, just like, oh, you know, honey, if you're going to attack your brother with a knife, you need like a bigger knife. Like that's okay. not the appropriate knife. Um, <laughs> Because the conflict is about is is about them fitting into society or other people in society reacting to them, you don't have to have you know the couple almost splitting up or you yeah. don't have to have the kids rebelling against the parents. You have to have the parents wanting the kids to be something they're not. And it's actually an incredibly healthy dynamic family. Like if you had to model your family relationships after some kind of cinema family. You could hardly find a more healthy dynamic than to model it after the Adams family, which is just wild. Yeah, less sibling violence. I would recommend. That's all. <laughs> and that's an interesting point too, um, because there are things that are threatened that are never carried through, you know. And so, for all that the Adamses um, say that they love, you know, death and macabre and violence, no one actually gets permanently injured no one yeah no one actually well but but but, but wednesday is hooking pugsley up to an electric chair at one point right and and either you know either he can handle it or when she's when um or or she's attacking him with a knife i mean like if you actually carried that through that would be kind of a problem and 
So that's an area where the logic of the Adams family mm-hmm. may, maybe falls apart a little bit. But um, but yeah, no, but but they're they are incredibly supportive. And yes, if you map that onto like actually child safe appropriate <laughs> activities and not walking around with butcher knives and, yes. and electrocution. Devices. I mean, it's always about saying the unexpected thing, right? right? You know, and one-upping even mm-hmm. beyond what you think you've seen the unexpected thing when Wednesday is playing with a knife with her brother. Mm-hmm. But then the next unexpected thing is the mother supporting her and saying, right. well, that's the wrong knife for right. what you're trying to do. Um, and But when you think about sitcoms, there are a lot of early sitcoms that are built on marriages that really feel a little wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the Honeymooners, right? And uh, even... Um, I Love Lucy, which is a great classic sitcom, mm-hmm. a lot of it is about, like, the long-suffering relationship of right. Ricky being put upon by all of Lucy's antics and her not thinking about it mm-hmm. and, and not not thinking about um, how her actions are going to affect him mm-hmm. at all. And that is a stereotype of the sitcom um, a relationship is one of them is acting selfishly or for their own interest and completely oblivious to the other's needs. And Gomez and Morticia only think of the other one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they are all in and they are together mm-hmm. uh, at all times. When when mentioning the the cast, I do have to say I kind of think Christopher Lloyd was boring to play <laughs> to play Uncle Fester. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> uh, and when and I don't know how, what casting director discovered Christina Ricci. Is this her first role? Or? It's it's certainly the one that made her a star. I don't know if it's her. I don't know if it's her first role or her first major role. But, but she is perfect as Wednesday Adams at that age. Yeah, and like the the delivery that she's able to give, the look, the the straight look that she's ever give give right. on her face. I don't know what her impassioned plea was to mm-hmm. change the right. plot of the film. Because right. she's not impassioned in, in the film. In, yeah. in the film, she's playing a very flat character, which again, it's all about these juxtapositions of this very flat character doing these seemingly hor- horrifying things. But mm-hmm. in the logic of the Adam family, it all checks out. Yeah. Uh, and it's also, I mean, on the one hand, they're, it's just sort of opposite day um, over and over again. But on the other hand, they're really calling out hypocrisy in a lot of ways um so the exchange with the person selling girl scout cookies where the girl wants to sell her cookies but she's also pretty um pretty dismissive of wednesday and pugsley and so you know she says something kind of snarky about the lemonade and then then wednesday's like okay you know you think my lemonade doesn't have real lemons in it well what about your girl scout cookies you know or the or the um or morticia talking to the school teacher about like well these people all want to be you know an astronaut or president or and and those are fine things to but have we fallen into a rut as a society where we have to like we have to aspire to these exact things and we have to act in this exact way um not that we need to aspire to be people who were burned at the stake but but you know at at least to kind of at least to um to look at something a little bit more carefully a little bit objectively and kind of figure out like well what are the cultural ruts that we've fallen into the kind of Mm -hmm. assumptions that we're making and I, I think the 60s were very much a response to the 50s of like, well, let's, you know, let's kind of embrace the counterculture. Yeah, the pendulum swung pretty far <laughs> as we move from the 50s to the 60s. I, I like this idea that you're you're, you're teasing out that um, the, all the juxtapositions, which is where the comedy is coming from, a lot of them are kind of just poking at our social norms, <laughs> you know, um, and, and not really saying like the Adams family is the way to be. Right. But saying why is this cultural norm what it is? Like, yeah. how has this become codified for what it means to to be a family, to have heroes, you know, um, to do these other things? And by showing this, like, absurdly dark, comedically dark, but also, like, pushing it to levels of absurdity to mm-hmm. reach that comedy, um, you know, inversion of those things, maybe say, maybe saying 
the you know the norms themselves should be questioned more and what is remind me what was tully's wife's name margaret margaret okay yeah oh i left it out at the end she ends up with cousin it at the very end i i forgot and that's actually a really interesting um juxtaposition because you know you have the adamses who are so far on one end of the spectrum and then you've got all the like uptight you know teachers and girl scouts but um but that's a really interesting pairing where you know, Margaret's not like, oh, I'm going to be a goth and, and be really macabre all the time. But Cousin It is just really good at listening and really <laughs> thoughtful. And and Margaret, you know, hasn't really had anyone paying attention to her that way in a long time. And so it's it's actually this very sweet sort of um, like, yes, he is a giant hairball and you're not really sure if he has like a face or eyes or which way of him is coming and going. But he's like – kind and and thoughtful and and the adamses are incredibly genuine they are you know they um even even interacting with tully tully is not getting the bad end of this deal you know he yeah. is he's he's greedy he's kind of he's, he's but like, they're paying they're there his only customers that are left because everyone right. else has left him right and he's still paying him his monthly fee right it doesn't seem like he's doing any good services for them <laughs> but yeah they and, have a contract and and gomez is going to pay him his monthly fee yeah and and all the people that the you know that the adamses may come from a different perspective or or have different viewpoints on things but they are so genuine with everyone they talk to and they want to be supportive. Even if they, you know, even if, even if, um, Morticia thinks that someone should be sad if they're, they, you know, their child wants to grow up to be an astronaut. She's sympathetic. She's incredibly empathetic. Like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry that, you know, they wanted to do this. And so they're very, um, they're genuine in their weirdness. Uh, I was going to say they're earnest in their weirdness, right? Sure. Yeah. Sure. They're, they are going to t- say what they really think at the moment, which, does immediately fly in the face of like the hypocrisy of normal social graces, right? Uh-huh. And as as we were saying, like poking at social norms, right? A lot of social norms is well, you just say the right thing at, at this <laughs> moment, even if it's not what you're really feeling. Yeah. And the Adams family is just going to say what they feel is, <laughs> uh, you know, at, at any given given moment, and they're going to say it honestly for them. And yes, it is a complete inversion of what we'd expect anyone to say, and that's why we're going to laugh out loud. But I yeah. think there is something kind of cool about that. Um, there's no hypocrisy. There's no um, wearing of masks. Mm-hmm. Um, they just are what they are. Yeah, and and the Adamses have been surviving for for generations and for hundreds of years. You know, they they live in this giant Gothic house, and they have all these things that they've inherited, and they have these centuries long traditions. And you get the impression that maybe this is how they have managed to survive across times and places and cultures is by just unabashedly being themselves and embracing themselves and, um, you know, not, not letting other people in other cultures run them out or try to, you know, try to exterminate them. They just have had this through line for centuries and we've just been who we are for this really long period of time. I mean, even in identifying this, I think there is some necessity for social grace. <laughs> the sure, atoms are completely sure. lacking, lacking. And even as praising, like, the, the poking at the hypocrisy, right. I don't think we want to go too far <laughs> down, down the other path of everyone just speaking their mind and saying, well, if they're offended, it's their fault for taking offense. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, you, you do want to be, like what you said, though, with, with um, Morticia, like, she's still, she's... She's expressing sympathy that someone would want their, you know, their child would be the president. Like, hmm. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there's just such um, overabundance of absurdity in how the atoms are. They're certainly 
like if you're trying to find a theme of this, it's not arguing to be like the Adams family. Right. <laughs> um, but it is maybe saying, let's question our social norms and mm-hmm. see which ones are worth keeping still. Yeah. And, and, you know, in fairness, the people who are the least like the Adams family are also the villains. Yeah. And so, they're always um, the bad guys. Right. And so, you know, they're, with the, with the exception of Margaret, um, but even then she and Cousin It are kind of that, you know, that middle ground where you still, well, you still imagine that she's going to still be aware of, of what, um, the, the standard culture is outside of that Adams family, but she's going to find happiness and, and, fulfillment as a you know as a distant member of the family so <laughs> um the uh we've, we've already touched on it but there is just something that is at the core of the adams family is this this deep love mm-hmm. that is just kind of fantastic <laughs> um and I seeing so many of the other things are, you know, we're, we're lifting from every horror trope, uh, you know, in particular, like the 1930s, 40s horror films, uh, you know, the universal horror films, we to be borrowing all those tropes, but then to drop those kinds of characters into uh, this nuclear family and having the sitcom <laughs> and having like true love on display, like it is just a fun juxtaposition. I don't know that this is the kind of, I mean, they keep adapting it. I don't know that I need 500 episodes of this, right? but it is fun to have this as an option to go and revisit um, this juxtaposition of horror and, and, you know, the family sitcom. Um, and for them every, you know, several years to do a new film version in whatever way, you know, if it's yeah. animated, like the next one coming up, that, that to me makes sense. Um, and, uh, I'm trying to think of like other, I mean, obviously there's the monsters, but like the, the there's something very postmodern at ta- about taking these different genres that seem like they should be polar opposites and pushing them together. Yeah. And I just love that so often with postmodernism, the, what you get out of that is kind of saying, well, nothing has any meaning. And this one <laughs> kind of says, well, no, the family matters. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Having, having a supportive community. Um, yeah, and having it, having a you know sticking together, having people that will that have your back. Um, I read an article once about something about families having mission statements, which I thought was just kind of terribly corporate. But then <laughs> I I read a little bit more about it, and they said the idea was to um, create a family identity because children who may feel like school is stressful or they're having a hard time with friends or whatever, once they if they have that family identity, they can feel like these are a group of people who have my back. They will always love me. They will always take care of me. So we will have this kind of team identity together. And that's something that the Adams family, the nuclear Adams family and the extended Adams family absolutely has. This is this group of people who will always love you and, and show up for you and, and care for you. Yeah. And, um, it's not when you when you see the trappings of a post story. That's not what you expect <laughs> right, to get. Right. <laughs> yes. And uh, and the, I think there definitely can be like a charm and a whimsy mm-hmm. uh, to that. And I think for writers, there must be it must be a lot of fun to say like, how can I say the most? What's the next shocking thing? Right. That I have these characters say, but then for the actors, how can I deliver this line with the right? honest earnestness yes <laughs> you know coming, yes. coming, coming up behind it um or, or if you're gomez adams with the right jubilance mm-hmm. <laughs> you know coming up before. he's just so excited by everything yes um yes and like you said it's not just the juxtaposition of horror and and family but it's also the bad guys in this are mm-hmm. the hypocritical regular people who are selfish they are liars <laughs> they are cheaters uh they're greedy mm-hmm. um they have the wrong motivations and they choose the wrong actions in order to obtain those motivations and to have that um contrasted with these these monsters who just mm-hmm. 
love each other and support each other and yeah. say what they're thinking. <laughs> and and the bad people in this film are boring. Yes. You know, and so maybe that maybe it's not just the hypocrisy of of you know, a, a 1950s type of society. It's also, I mean, maybe the issue isn't even, you know, you want to be the president when you grow up or you want to be a sports star. It's just you haven't really thought about this because you're just kind of going into, you know, going into the same groove that um, they, is expected of you. Right. Playing off of that, I think there's definitely um, within the Adams family, like there's this idea of celebrate weirdness, mm-hmm. celebrate individuality. Yeah. And I think you said like some some of the other things that kind of get poked at are maybe like molding a sameness mm-hmm. in, the, in the character of children. Yeah. So, so maybe if the children had, had chosen someone, a little, not necessarily as macabre as as relative to the Adams family, but someone that was a little bit interesting, not an obvious choice. Um, you know, maybe that's where we're trying to push people is is not just to do the opposite of what people expect you to do, but to put some thought into what you do and make it your own and make it genuine and don't just follow the crowd for the sake of following the crowd. Yeah, I like that, and I, I think that is something that probably you could you could see that resonating across most of these Adams family adaptations. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you just it, it replace the monster aspect of the Adams family with like individuality mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah yeah uh, and not conforming to expectations yeah um, uh, whether those expectations are like normalized gender roles or uh you know what your mom and dad always wanted you to be when you grow up or whatever right. it may be but like find out what you <laughs> you, well, know, and, you want to be and and it's like it's like morticia says you know Wednesday has these dreams of who she wants to be when she grows up, but she really does need to go to college first. <laughs> and so, like, you can have that balance of, like, okay, this is where I'm pushing you, so you will have what I think is a good life. Um, but then I also want to, you know, I want to support you in what you want to do in life and where you find your passion is and, you know, your your freedom and your creativity. <laughs> and, well, and I like that. Like, that is actually a little bit of tapping the brakes of the Adams Family weirdness is that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that – College first. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, I think in writing this, there's probably a tendency to have the Adams continuously do just the opposite of what's expected. And that's something that doesn't really necessarily hold together over time. Like we said, you know, if Wednesday keeps trying to kill Pugsley, even though it's funny every time that her mother's helping her, if that actually succeeded, that would kind of break the spell. Yeah. Yeah. And break the, and break the spell of, of the tone that this, that this is um, kind of going for. Um, But yeah, but if you think about, you know, embracing individuality or, or being true to yourself or really thinking about who you are instead of going along with, and, and with Margaret, okay, apparently Margaret's my new favorite character. Um, With Margaret, she's not happy at all. The first time she goes to mm-hmm. the, the or the first time in the movie that she goes there, she doesn't like being there. They're creepy and they're weird, and she gets her fingers stuck in the finger trap, you know. Um, but she she finds herself in that group and she opens up, and so for her, it's this. In, for her, instead of having her, you know, living up to the expectations that are making her miserable because she's got this terrible husband and is surrounded by these other miserable people, she ends up finding her uh, becoming comfortable with herself and and finding. Mm-hmm a self and a happiness that she didn't have before. Well, and I mean, if we're thinking about like character arcs, she's the one with an actual character arc. Like Fester remembers who he always was. That's like, he's reverting to his norm, not learning something. She is the one that's actually learning something Mm -hmm. um, and and transforming. And I think again, like the, one of my favorite things about this is when you think about the relationships, when we say it's like a celebration of, of individuality, 
it, it's not a, like sometimes that can be like, I'm just gonna be me. Like this is still an individuals who have realized who they're most tightly bonded to mm-hmm. and they preserve those bonds. Right. And they, it's not just that they preserve those bonds. They work to maintain those bonds. Yeah. Right. And so, so it's like realize who you are and who makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but also respect what makes other people happy. Sure. So like I, I, Gomez and Morticia, like that is, a partnership. <laughs> it's, it's, it's loving and they both care for the other one's happiness. That is where they're going to find their right. joy. It's not just, I'm going to be me and, you know, scream that from the rooftops and whatever I want is what I want. Right. It's like, well, in this case, what I want is to make you happy. Mm-hmm. And that is where I'm going to find my, my joy. Yeah. And so it's, it's that responsibility in those relationships and responsibility to the, to the family unit and responsibility to the community. Um, and then the community responds by supporting you in your individuality mm-hmm. and in your goals. Yeah. And now, again, like you said, some of the logic of the Adams family, it falls apart if you try yeah. and like extrapolate it into real life. Right. So Wednesday murdering Pugsley would be. You That'd know, be bad. That would be bad for Morticia and Gomez and, <laughs> and the whole the whole crew uh, would, would struggle with that. And similarly, like, when you really uh, try and think of, like, could this family how, – how does this family function? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, within the suburbia <laughs> that's around them, that falls apart pretty quickly. But it sure is fun to see – to fly by for the snapshots of, of where the the tension is rubbing up against it and the Adams family is a little oblivious <laughs> to, yeah. to, to that yeah. tension. Yeah. Uh, because they think they should just be accepted for who they are. Right. <laughs> why? Why wouldn't anyone? What's what would even be the problem? But again, I, I think um, like at the opening of this film it has Gomez like hitting golf balls uh, that go off from his estate yes. through the window into the judges. There's a reason the judge hates the Adams family, yes. and it's not because they're weird. Yes. It's because they are like a little actively dismissive of his needs and his personal space and home. Is there? Any other moment in the film where they actually hurt someone else or hurt or damage someone else's property? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they scar the children in the preschool. <laughs> right? Yes. Emotionally. This is true. This is true. Right. So, so there are times where like their obliviousness isn't just charming. Right. Like yeah. I, like yeah. to a degree, you got to say, I understand judge why they're the yes. worst ne- neighbors ever. I have a question about the judge though. Producer Andrew, jump again. It strikes me as though if the judge came and said, Hey, you broke my window, they would pay to replace it every time. Yeah. It's it's possible. Like, but do you, but do at you the think same time, that Gomez Adams would, He's like, oh, let me replace that. Absolutely. I do. But at the same time, I also think he'd be – the way he's played in this and the way he's written, he'd be a little oblivious that it's a problem to do that again the next right. morning. Right. <laughs> right. So, well, so or, I think he'd be – I think he could cover the cost. But at the same time, you should change your action, Gomez. And I yeah. don't know that he would. Well, and I don't know if – I mean, it could be – and I, like this is, you know, just to defend mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for, for the sake of argument. But like – do we know what the judge's actions have been about that? Is Are the Adamses aware or are they, like, pleasantly oblivious? And if he came and said, hey, this is breaking my window, can you can you change the direction? Mm-hmm. I, he, like, Gomez is yeah, pretty affable. Right. Yeah. And if somebody asks him to do something with a great deal of reason, mm-hmm. he's, he's yeah. pretty much inclined to do it. Yeah. I, but I, I think this is maybe where we're saying, that, like, there's an inherent kind of celebration of individuality. Mm-hmm. There is maybe, like... Do that with an awareness of those around yeah. you. Don't abandon social yeah. tact entirely. Um, maybe we should question social norms, but not abandon them <laughs> just because they exist as social norms. Yeah. Like, I think the social norm of not breaking your neighbor's window on a morning, you know, daily basis, that's a good social norm. Let's, let's keep that one. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, because I do think that, that Gomez is incredibly affable. If, if the judge asked him, he would, but, but you're right. He shouldn't, 
have to be asked asked not to break (laughs) and the way it's played is this is not the first time (laughs) yes yes i love the description of affable for gomez now now that is is a really good adjective for him yeah at the at the same time if someone smashed a house a window in their house i don't think they'd mind so yeah maybe why yeah he's just too oblivious right Right. They'd just be like, oh, great, it's a cracked window. That makes the house look even more scary. (laughs) Yes. I've been meaning to break that one. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like, they they don't have any concept of bothering somebody with something that wouldn't bother them. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and and again, like as as we're identifying some of these positive aspects of that, so let's go ahead and call out that one as, as that's fair. You That's know, fair. Maybe a the yeah. you know a, a lesson that should be learned that hasn't been by the mm-hmm. Adams family, but maybe as an audience we can pull away. Yeah, although, and, and so that's kind of their their context for it all is is well, I mean, sorry, I didn't realize that was bothering you because it 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 would never we would never dream of being bothered by it ourselves, yeah. and so that they don't have. Um, the empathy to take someone else's perspective in that situation. Right. Although I don't think here we're talking about the Adams family in general. I don't think Wednesday Adams would would hit a golf ball into someone's window unless she intended to do it and knew exactly what she was doing. This is like this is I mean it is an Adams family issue, but it's a Gomez issue as well. Yes. You know, he's the he's the one who's so cheerfully oblivious. Mm-hmm. Like Wednesday is the schemer. She's deliberate. Yes. And, yes. But also, like pointing out flaws. She would break someone else's window. Oh yeah, absolutely. and not think it was a big deal. Yes, <laughs> like she, she would definitely do that and not feel guilt for having done that. But she would do it if she thought there was a good reason. To yes, do it. she'd feel justified. And we would she did probably it. agree with her because she's a cool goth girl. <laughs> <laughs> Is uh, when did Beetlejuice come out? Which one's the pro? Beetlejuice is earlier, right? I assume God. so. Yeah. yeah, but for like for 1990s pop culture, Beetlejuice and Wednesday Adams really set a tone for the goth. Some yeah, and, and and speaking of you know, speaking of goth characters in yeah in suburbia, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's very much a similar situation. Oh, and um, Edward Scissorhands, I did the motion. Yes, on <laughs> you, can't, you can't see it, but I did do Scissorhands. Right. Kirsten got to see it. Oh, she's the doing international now. <laughs> the international hand sign for Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. Is that it? Producer Andrew just tried, and he did the floppy hands that the guy's going to give him. Well, he's always got his fingers down and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is some quality podcast. Yes, at least this should all probably be kind. (laughs) This section. Well, any any final thoughts on the Adams? I'm kind of like I didn't expect us to find like oh this one's really good and oh maybe there's some lessons that haven't been learned that need to be. Uh, I'm pleased that we did though. I love it when we do that with the like just the the lighter fare that we cover on the protagonist podcast. But do you have any final thoughts that you wanted to make sure we hit? I don't think so. Um, It's a good movie and an even better sequel. Yeah. And uh, we'll get more Adam's Family next year um, in an animated film next October. So that's going to wrap up this episode. Thank you for joining us. For show notes and links to all the other great Dueling Genre shows, go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice, and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We would like to thank Nick English, who designed our logo, and Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. If you enjoyed this episode, you might want to go check out episode number 149, when we talked about Hocus Pocus, or episode number 42, when we talked about Ghostbusters. You can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com or also on twitter you can follow protagonist pod uh, or 
Todd's Todd's Twitter's still in there. Uh, <laughs> if you want to go see Todd, he's at Todd K Mac, uh, or you can follow Jay Dorowski and our producer Andrew is at Dizminute and Kirsta. Your Twitter handle is BYU underscore Librarian. And you can go visit our Facebook fan page, which is facebook.com slash protagonist podcast. We have really good conversations there with our listeners, and we would love for you to stop by and say hello anytime. If you would like to support the show financially, you can buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation with a monetary donation by going to patreon.com slash protagonist. Thank you again for listening, and we will be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. Bye-bye. But, but it also makes it easier for you. Yeah. I'm sure your name. There, there are the occasional misses. I wonder if you could recognize. Musical, there's a, there's oh, a, there's the one with. Yes. There's the... What were you going to say? I was, I was going to say, I wonder if he can recognize the waveform of his name. Andrew. <laughs> he recognizes my ums for sure. More